This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Welcome to Austin Life Church. Glad that you're here. If you want to move to Austin and stay here permanently, we would love that. Um, so we are praying for God to, to bring us uh, more parents and some people that can be a few steps ahead of us and show us, hey, don't do that. That's dumb. Uh, been there, done that. It didn't go well. Uh, we, we need more of that in our lives. So uh, if you just want to go ahead and move here and stay, uh, we will gladly accept that. Um, Colossians chapter 3 is where we are going to be today. If you have a Bible... I invite you to go ahead and turn to it. Uh, if you don't, there's always going to be Bibles in the back. You can grab one at any time. If you want to hop up now and grab one, you can. The verses will also be on the screen. Um, but it's going to be Colossians 3. And so uh, let, me, let me do this real fast. Um, let's see. Casey, check, check. Did, did you get a text from me? No. Wait for it. Hold. Yes? Did you change your number? Is that, is that why you're not responding to me anymore? You changed your number? Did, it, did you get anything yet? You got it? Jenna says yes. Jenna says no. Oh, my goodness. Okay, let me know when it comes through. Okay, just, just say something to me. Um, you got it. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, who, who, who did that text come from? It came from me. Okay, so if I continue to text you just on and on and on and on throughout the day, um, would you say that by text alone, you could get to know me more? No? Just by text alone? Just to get to know me more? Okay, fine. That's fair. That's fair. W- would you, could I, tell you about, could I tell you about myself? Could I tell you plans and thoughts? And I mean, could I just go on and on and on and tell you about myself? And it, it'd be coming from me. Okay, fair. So, there's a good point there. This is where illustrations on the spot may or may not break down. Um, That's fine. Here's my point to that. I sent you a text. I sent you a text. came from me. We could communicate that way. You could know about my life and whatnot through a text. And that's what we have in the Bible. It's just not in electronic form, right? So God has sent us his words to communicate to us from him that we could know him and know his purpose and his plans and his thoughts and the things that he likes and doesn't like. And so I think a lot of times I, I read this and I read it very academically. Like, okay, I'm supposed to study this and I'm supposed to, you know, look at these words. And what, but I don't read it personally. I, I don't read it as if God himself, which he did, sent me a letter from himself. But, but that's what these words are. Is, is there, they're the many years older text messages from, from God to us that we can know him and communicate with him and hear him speak to us. So, so I may have not verbally, the text doesn't verbally speak to Casey, but he can hear me speaking to him through written form. And that's the same thing that God has given us in his Bible. And so when we read this, we, we need to read it knowing, okay, this is God speaking to me. This is God telling me who he is and and how to, to know him and to follow him and to have a relationship with him. If, if you and I write letters back and forth, like, yeah, the relationship is not going to have the same, it's not personal interaction. But we can build a relationship that way. And we can have a relationship with God and know him through his words written to us. So I think 
if I can just encourage us for a second, it's to take these words that we're going to read and to hear them not as, okay, these are words that I've maybe heard before, but hear them as this, this is God. The, the God of the world, the God who created all things, this is him speaking to me. Telling us about himself. That we could know him and know how to follow him. And so as we read Colossians 3, just, just keep that perspective in mind. This is God talking to us, written through Paul, but speaking to us. So Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above. Some translations say fix your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your, li your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Put to death. That's a command. That's a, that, that, that's a command from, from God to us. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Next command, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The Bible is, is pretty clear, not just in Colossians chapter 3, but, but in multiple, multiple parts throughout the Bible that, that talk is cheap. We, we can talk a big game all day long. We can come in here and we can say, all right, I'm going to put to death all of these things and I'm going to put on what is Christ. But, but talk is really cheap. I can come in here and say that I'm going to love you. I can come in here and we can say, like, we're going to be humble. We're going we're gonna to empty ourselves so that God may fill us and be all in us. We can talk that all day long. We can sing songs. We can raise hands. We can read the Bible. We can pray together. But, but talk is cheap. At some point, our words have to translate to action. Or it's just a bunch of talk. Right? At some point, we actually have to do this. 
The proof of whether we love God, the proof of whether we're following God, is not so much in what we say we believe, is not so much in what we say we want to do, it's in what our actions demonstrate. We can say all day long that we love God, but, but if we're not putting to death what God tells us to put to death, then we're not really loving God. We can say all day, man, we're going to follow God, we're going to walk in humility, but if we're not actually putting on humility, then we're, we're, just, we're just talking. And talk is cheap. So, you ever recall moments in your life when you discovered something new about yourself? Like you discovered a talent about, you know, that you had, that you didn't know you had, or a skill, or you, you, you kind of look up and you go, wow, I didn't know I could do that. Um, we, we see it a lot in babies. Uh, if, you, if you've ever been around a baby, um, and you see where they kind of start to discover, like they have a hand, and it's attached to their body, and they're, like, they can do things with it, and they just kind of like, you know, they look at it like, oh, look at this foreign object, right? Um, m- maybe, any, can anyone curl their tongue? Yes? Come on, don't, okay, cool. Do you remember the time where you realized you could do that? And next thing you know, you're just walking around like, you're just curling your tongue all the time, right? Because you're like, look at that, I can curl my tongue. If you can't, apparently it's genetic, you can try all day long, but I, I, from what I've been told, it's just not going to happen. Um, but you can give it a shot. Um, maybe, so maybe like riding your bike, anybody remember like learning that, that time where you're like, oh my gosh, I can actually pedal and not fall down. You know, and then confidence starts to build, and next thing you know, you're just zipping all over the place, right? Or, or you, you overcome a fear of public speaking or, or something, right, where you just kind of, you kind of go, huh, look at that. I didn't know, I didn't know that was in me. I didn't know I could do that, right? And, and then confidence grows, and then proficiency grows, and next thing you know, it's, you're not even thinking about it. It's just happening, right? It, it's just it's just going from there. So, because when we discover these abilities that are in us, these strengths and skills, and, and let, me be, let me make sure to highlight, John told us in John 3, everything we have is from God. So, like, your ability to curl your tongue, that was God's giving you that ability. Like, that wasn't just something that you're like, hey, I'm going to do this on my own. Um, everything we have is from God. So, let's make sure we give credit where it's due. But when we start to discover these skills and abilities that God's given us, right, like, a little pep in our step about it. A little confidence with it, you know? We start, to, we start to grow in those things. So where am I going with this? Hold on, hang with me. When we read Colossians 3, 5 through 17, put to death everything that is not of God. Put on everything that is of God. When we read these, the, the Bible seems to actually mean that we are to put those things to death. Like, and we understand the concept of life and death. Death has no life. It, it doesn't, it's not like mostly dead, like the Princess Bride, fantastic movie, by the way. Um, it's not mostly dead. Dead is dead, right? So when we're to put these things to death, they're not supposed to have any life in us, in any semblance of life, not 2% life. We're to put all of these things to death. And then we're to put on all of these characteristics of God. It, like, we're to actively put it on our lives, to put it in our lives, humility and compassion and gentleness and forgiving as God has forgiven us. These are things that we're to put off and to put on, and it doesn't seem like God's like, hey, pick your top three and run with those. You know, like, just, just pick your top, your favorites and the ones to put to death, and that'll be good, and pick your favorites and the things you want to put on, and that'll be good. When we read the Bible... I mean, the simple reading is, okay, I'm supposed to put all of these things to death. 
like here today now. This whole list of, is supposed to be gone. And here today now, this whole list of things that we're to put on is supposed to be present in my life. Then we get to like John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. These are, this is a commandment out of the mouth of Jesus. That you love one another. This phrase gets me. Just as I have loved you. Jesus, you telling us, hey, love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this evidence, by this love, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 1 John 4, 7 to 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We read these verses, and, and it, it just seems like... It's black and white. We are to love one another as, just as Christ has loved us. It seems God is actually saying to do nothing from selfish ambition. Either God like, mistakenly put in the wrong word here. He's like, oh no, that slipped. I didn't mean to say nothing. Or God actually means to do nothing out of selfish ambition. But in humility to consider others as more than, significant than ourselves. The Bible tells us that our love for God is measured by our love for one another. If I love God, I will love you. If I'm not loving you, we can back that up. I'm not loving God in that moment. My, my, my humility before God is measured by my humility before you. If I'm not humble before you, then I'm not being humble before God. Andrew Murray, in his book, Humility, he says, Humility towards men will be the only sufficient proof that our humility before God is real. The only humility that is really ours is not that which we try to show before God in prayer, but that which we carry with us and carry out in our ordinary conduct. It is in our most unguarded moments that we really show and see what we are. That one hit me in the face. My love for God is seen in my love for you, and vice versa. My, my humility before God, if we're going to empty ourselves and let God be all in us and through us, my humility for God is measured in my humility for you. Our humility before God is seen in our unguarded moments when our, when our frustrations are boiling up, when our preferences are, are not being seen or met, with the difficult people in our lives, the way we love them, the way we humble ourselves before them is our evidence of the way we love God and humble ourselves before God. Anyone else feel that and go, ooh, wow, um, cool, 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 cool. No, not gonna, like how, what? Anyone else set out for a day, and you're like, okay, humility, 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 I'm going to do this. And then by like 8.30 a.m., 
Like it's gone. You show up to work and you're like, okay, we'll try again tomorrow. <laughs> this is happening, right? Like you get home and, and, and the people you love the most aren't being so loving. And so you're like, all right, let's do this. Let's go. Right? Any, anyone else ever feel the weight of this impossibility? To, to love others just as Jesus has loved me. To, to be humble towards others as Jesus is humble towards me. I mean, if, if I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay, okay, here's the game plan. Here's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm supposed to do it all the time. I, I mean, I'll be lucky to make it the next 30 minutes. Right? Like, it's, it just, it is a weight that is impossible to carry on our own. But here's the good news. Here, here's, here, here's why, here's, here's where we're going. We, we don't have to do it on our own. We don't have to dig deep in our own strength and be like, okay, I can be humble right now when everything in me doesn't want to be humble. I can do this. We don't have to do that on our own. I don't have to wake up tomorrow and be like, okay, Corey, here's the deal. You are going to love your wife as Jesus has loved you today in your own strength. I don't have to do that on my own. The good news of the Bible is that we can discover a power that is in us, Christ in us, that enables us to actually live this out. I mean, just like when we discover that we can ride a bike and we're like, okay, I can ride a bike here. We can discover today that by Christ in us, I can put to death everything that is earthly in, in me. I can put on everything that is godly in me, not because of me, not because I've muscled my way or determined my way or I've willed my way, but because the God of this world who has done it perfectly is in me. That is how I can do this. Y'all, that's incredible news today. You and I can live this out today because of Christ in us. Look over to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. The command here is the phrase, walk in him. Just as you receive Christ, therefore, walk in him. Walk in Christ. Be like Jesus. Reflect him. Imitate him. Walk in his footsteps. That command, walk in Jesus, walk in him, that means that for you and me, if we say that we follow Jesus, then the words that we speak, people should hear our words and they should hear Jesus through us. That the way that we act with people, that when people see us and they interact with us, they should see and feel the interaction of Jesus in us because we're walking in him. That the representation we portray to the world around us and to the people that we love, if we're walking in Jesus, then we are representing Jesus all the time to the world around us. That is our purpose in life. That's what we're created to do, is to walk in Christ and to reflect him and to look like him. In the very beginning, before humanity existed, God said, let us make man in our image. That is your purpose today. 
If you're sitting here and you're like, what am I supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to live as a student or as an employee or as a boss or as a, a father or a sister? Or what, what is my purpose? Your overarching purpose, according to Genesis chapter 1 and the rest of the Bible, is to reflect God with your life. It's to, it's to honor him with all of your life. That's why our, our mission is to lead people to life in Jesus, because that is what we're created for. To live our life in him, to walk in him. Over here in Colossians 3, right, you see it in verse, verse 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So he says, don't lie. Why? Because you're supposed to reflect the image of your creator. Because we're to reflect God in our lives, in word and in deed to glorify God. That is our purpose. Walk in him. That's the command. And that can be incredibly overwhelming when we realize how incapable we are to walk like Jesus. Right? That, that, that's, that's the tension. That's the weight we have. I'm to walk like Jesus and time out. I can't do that so well. But this phrase, this command, walk in him, it's the effect. It, it's, the, it's the effect of the cause and effect here. There's a cause that comes before the command. There's something that precedes the command to walk in Jesus. The, the weight that you feel, that we feel to look like Jesus, that, that, that's the effect. There's something that precedes it that makes us able Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. So walk in him. The thing that makes us able to walk in Jesus, to, to put to death what is earthly, to put on what is godly, to walk in humility, the thing that makes us able is first receiving Jesus. Where 2,000 years ago, Jesus, God himself humbled himself he let go of what was rightfully his which is his position in heaven he had every right to stay there he had every right to do what he wanted to do and he let go of it so that he could come and take the position of our servant that he could wash our feet and serve us and he humbled himself even to the point of death jesus said in john 10 10 he came he left heaven for the purpose to bring us abundant life. Yo, I have been convicted by that verse today. That the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we would have abundant life. And so if I'm following Jesus, every moment I live outside of abundant life, I am living under the purpose of the devil. Are you kidding? Like, think about that, that God is so for me, he so desires me, that he left heaven to come and bring me abundant life, that our lives should be abundant, in his presence, full of joy, walking in contentment, and every moment that I live outside of that, I am living under the purpose of the devil, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus' purpose is that he came that we would have life. And so in order to do that, he lived a perfect sinless life. The life that we were expected to live, Jesus lived in our place. And then we deserve to be punished for our sin, but Jesus stepped in our place and was punished for us. And so he, he died on the cross. He gave himself up. Nobody takes his life. He gives it. He gave his life up so that the punishment for our sin could be placed on him. But none of that matters if Jesus is still dead. But he's not. 
Jesus is alive and will live forever eternally. And because he is alive, he is able to offer us eternal, abundant life. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness so that we can live forever. And not just one day in future, in future in heaven, yes, but today. We can live the abundant life that Jesus came and paid for today. That's his desire for us. That's his, that's his goal for us. To, to honor him and to receive his gift of life. And so the, the first way that we walk in him is by receiving the life that he gives us. Man, if, if you have never received the forgiveness of sins and the gift of new life, now is the time. Th there's no multi-step process. It's simply receiving the gift that Jesus offers. By faith saying, okay, yes, I receive. I receive what you've done, Jesus. Uh, it's your way, not mine. I'm in. I receive. But it's not just that we receive abundant life for the future. It's that we receive his abundant life by his spirit in us today. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Then you'll be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You will receive my power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Then you will walk in Christ. Confession, I live way too much of my life in my own strength, forgetting the fact that the God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me by his spirit. Come on, y'all. Like, think about that. The God who spoke all of the world into existence out of nothing. Right, the God who raises the dead, the, the God who the blind is, is, is not a problem for him, the, the God who can calm this, the raging sea and control everything, the God who sustains and holds everything together, the God who has named every, I don't even know how many billions of stars, that God who raised Jesus from the dead, who took on the full weight of the full sin of the world, and was like, this has nothing on me, and raised him from the dead, that power by his spirit is in us. That changes everything. You know, that means that we can, we can walk forward in humility. We can walk forward in obedience, not because we're, because Jesus who already did it is in us. Now, I realize my, my logical, analytical, like I want to see it, I want to touch things, like my, my I want to walk by faith struggles with that, but either I'm going to believe what the Bible says or I'm not. And the Bible says that his spirit lives in me and that is how I'm able to walk in him. You know, we have to discover that the only thing holding us back is us. The only thing holding us back from living this out, the only thing holding us back from actually living in kindness and humility and patience, the only thing is not God, it's us. Galatians 2 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So whenever I say, I cannot do this, I am saying, Christ cannot do this. And I don't actually think Christ cannot do this. The only reason I'm not walking in it is pride, is my own selfish understanding, my own wisdom and logic in thinking it's greater than Christ in me. That's it. Now I realize, I'll be the first to say, man, I need some help. 
right? Like, I can't do this on my own. I'm broken. Like, I'll be the first to say, you can go see my counseling sessions. And no, I'm not standing up here saying, like, oh, I got this all figured out. But I do know that the only reason I'm not is ultimately not because of God. It's because of me. So the more that I empty myself, the more that I get rid of myself, the more that he fills me and I'm actually able to walk in him. My hope and prayer for myself and for us is that we will discover today the power that is in us. His name is Jesus and we're able to walk in him. 24-7, I am able to put on humility because Jesus the humble dwells in me. The only reason I don't is because of me. It's there because of Christ in me. It's there. I, it makes me think, like, this is probably lame, it makes me think about Iron Man. Right? Like, on his own, yeah, whatever. But then when he's got this suit, he can fly and, like, shoot, ra- what are those things, rockets or whatever out of his hand. On his own, yeah, I mean, it's not going to go so well. Put him in that suit, you can do some things. On my own, it's not going to go so well. But in Christ, come on, we can do some things. On my own, I'm going to fall and I'm going to mess up again and again and again and again. But in Christ, when I humble myself, come on. We can walk some, we can walk some places like him. It's Christ in me that makes us able. So why, why don't, why don't what's going to hold us back right now? What's going what's gonna to get in our way of walking this out today? What's going to get in our way that before we leave this room, we, we've stepped forward in obedience in ways that we've, been, we've not been? Because there's no reason that we, we, we have to walk out that door not being fully free, not walking in obedience. No reason. Not if we're in Christ. Not if we received him. So what's going to get in our way? Pride. That's it. A a, a lack of faith in fixing my eyes on myself. Trusting in my own wisdom. In what makes sense to me. That's what he says, right? Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, how do we receive Christ Jesus? Did I bargain with him? Did I earn something? No, by faith. I simply trusted. And I received the gift of new life. So as I received Christ Jesus by faith, then by faith, I walk in him, rooted and built up, by faith, trusting in him. If you look over again back to chapter 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth. There's two reasons that we won't walk in obedience today. One is that our eyes are fixed on something other than God. And two is that we just don't trust Christ in us to do it. One is that our eyes are fixed on something else. That's been the problem from Genesis 3 on. When sin entered the world, man, they had everything. It was perfect, right? And then in comes the the lying, deceiving snake, the devil. And it's like, hey, don't, don't look at God. Look at this. Look over there. That looks good. Right? That makes sense. It's just some fruit. Just some fruit. You can call your own shots. It's no big deal. You still love God. You're just just taking something over there too. You ever heard something like that? 
You, you, ever, you ever felt that whisper? No, God, God's ways don't make sense. You can't see the outcome. Tr- trust in what makes sense to you. Trust in what you can control. It's not worth it. It's going to be too hard. You may lose something. We take our eyes off of God and his worries and we start looking at the things around us and it never goes well. Never. In our community group last week, we read through Hebrews 11. We read through these men and women who lived lives of faith. And they had some epic failures too, don't get me wrong. But they repented, they turned, they, they lived lives of faith. And multiple times in that chapter it says because they were looking ahead to a greater reward. They were looking ahead to something that was better than right here. One of our primary problems and the reasons we don't walk this out is that our eyes are fixed on other things, not on God. Our our eyes and our minds are consumed with our schedule and our to-do list and our relationships and, and, you know, and our, our failures. And, like, we're just fixed on all this stuff, and they're not fixed on God. We've got to fix our eyes on him. We've got to have tunnel vision that that's all we see. And so we're like, okay, I'm in. I'm following after Jesus. That's it. Not, not what anybody else says or anything else, but I'm fixed on him. And then we've just got to walk. We've got to step out in faith and walk. That's what the second half of Galatians 2 says. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, this life, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus, and then we've got to walk and trust that he has already given us everything we need for love and good works. Everything we need to walk in humility and gentleness and patience and love, he's already done it. Anybody ever seen Indiana Jones, Last Crusade? Give me a little yes, just so I know what I'm talking about. Okay, for the other, man, a lot of you who haven't apparently, uh, this movie's old. And so if I'm spoiling it, that's on you at this point. That's on you. So, so you got Indy, and he is, his dad has been shot. They're on the, they're on the, the, the quest for the Holy Grail. That, that when you drink from this cup, man, Spielberg, he was reading the Bible. When you drink from this cup, you live eternally, right? So they're on the quest for this Holy Grail, and, and the, the bad dude shoots Indiana's dad. And, and so they're like, hey, Indy, you better go get the Grail or your dad's going to die, Right? And so Indy, Indiana, he's walking, he's going through, you know, this, this tunnel and this cave to get to the grail. But then he gets to this, this cavern. I mean, it's just separated. He's on this side, and the rest of the grail is over there. But there's this huge gap in between him. He cannot cross it on his own. Right? Like, he can't just jump. He's going to, it's not going to go well. He's going to die, and then his dad. So that's the dilemma that, that, Indi- that he's, he's up against. It's like, how do I get to the other side? And, and now we've got our great YouTube clips to come in and show us the answer.
Let's, let's run it back. <laughs> he saw he was holding a diary there that, that told him. The diary told him, hey, you're going to get to this place, and th- there's a bridge there. And, and you can't see it, but you, you, you just got to trust that when you step, it's there. What you need to get to the other side, it's, it's there. And it's not, it's not in you. It's not what you're going to It's just there. And, and what the Bible tells us, what, what God himself is pleading for us to do is to trust that he's there. That, that when we, we say, okay, I know everything in my brain and my, my experience is telling me something different, but God is telling me this, I'm going to trust that it's true, and I'm just going to walk. And I'm going to trust that he's going to give me what I need for this step and the next step and the next step and the next step. And when we trust him, he's going to prove faithful. But we've got to just step and walk in him. God, I don't know. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that we all come in here with different areas of life that we've, we've struggled to walk as Christ would walk. And what I'm starting to know more and more and truly believe is that God is for you. And he's not setting you up to fail. He's not setting you up for what's worse. He's not holding out for you. He's for you. And his invitation is to receive Christ and then walk in him by faith. Don't miss out on what God has for you simply because you've taken your eyes off of him and you don't want to walk by faith. He's got so much more for us than We've even scratched the surface on. Trust him. Step out. He's good for it. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.